0: Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio.
1: Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80, ESPN2, your smart speakers, your podcast. Download the ESPN app, one app, one tap. We're right there. Harry Douglas in for key today. Guys, got a lot to do today. We're talking to Mike Tannenbaum, our very own front office insider. We're taking you to basically ESPN Browns reporter, Jake Trotter. We're going to talk about What's going on there now with Deshaun Watson, of course. Mary Kay Cabot's going to be here, and Tony Baselli, Hall of Famer now. But we got to start, obviously, I mean, a lot of that stuff relates to the fallout from what is going on with Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson was given a six-game suspension by a judge, and I mentioned the other day when Jerry Jones, guys, was like, the, the way the system is set up, it sets Goodell up to look bad. We have to fix that. Boy, did they fix it. What they have given Goodell now is a get-out-of-jail-free card, a button he can hit where, hey, I didn't give him the suspension. It's independent. This is negotiated. It's not on me. But if he thinks it's too light, he can see which way the wind is blowing up. People think that the suspension is too light. He can hit that button and say, we're appealing it. To whom? To himself. He now takes over the process and decides whether or not to change the suspension. And so Deshaun Watson is suing, right? Goodell is going change to change the suspension one way or another, and Deshaun Watson is going to sue. That's where we are now. That's where we are at this moment.
2: Yeah, for, for me, I think it's more so when you look at the NFL, you look at the history uh, in them handling things like this. I think it's, I think they're trying to save face right now, Max. I'm just going to be honest about you, about it. I don't think the NFL really cares, truly cares about women. Um, in, in this situation when it, when it involves sexual assault or, or rape or things alike, of that nature because we look at the history of the NFL and the way they've handled things. Now, a lot of people may say, hey, you know what, this is a, step, a stepping stone for them to change things and make things different. Well, I need to see that on a consistent basis. I don't need to just see one incident that they try to change things but then things go back to being the same as it was previously. I need to see things change over a, a drastic amount of time. I need to see consistency from the NFL in those regards. And until then, I'm going to believe what I believe, and that's the NFL is going to try to save face, uh, especially in a situation that, that, that's disagreeable. <sighs>
3: so, number one, I do believe that Deshaun Watson deserved more, in my opinion, than six games. I believe that. And I draw this comparison, even though they are different, but I believe that Ben Rothersberger back in the day, deserved more than six games. Ding. So I have a lot of questions, and I want to get into this. So Big Ben, two accusations of rape. One in 2008, accusation of raping a woman in Lake Tahoe room, uh, which was settled out of court in January 2012. Then 2010, a college student alleged that Big Ben raped her in a bathroom stall of a Georgia nightclub, that um, and, and and that was handled by Roger Goodell, which and he gave a six-game suspension, which then got taken down to four games. I want to ask Roger Goodell straight up, what gave him the insight to deem that suspension for six games, and then drop it down to four? What went into his thinking for that, considering those were rape allegations okay that's number one what happens to fair process now 24 accusations right none of them were convicted it goes back into the fact that the personal conduct policy that they have was not collectively bargained it wasn't bargained so at the end of the day he is able to make the final decision but i'm curious like what has changed what's the standard What's the standard? What's well, the fair process? Let me, let me say, I, I think that
1: the, the, the allegations against Ben Roethlisberger were very serious. Um, criminal charges were not brought. Yes. And you, there were two separate accusations, but that is, de- that you could say he said, she said. When it happens twice, you go, wait a minute, she said also, right? That is, de- now it's not that you, oh, you automatically don't believe the accuser? No, of course not. But you also automatically don't presume guilt. In fact, there's a presumption of innocence, and particularly when there are no criminal charges brought. And we're talking about two. Of course, your antenna go up on one. And then on, on a second, you, with two, you go, wait a minute. But with the difference here to me is Deshaun Watson, it's, again, I'll say it again. It's not he said, she said. It's he said, and she said, and she said, and she said 24 times. Mm -hmm. 24
2: times. Basically with the same story, though.
1: With the same kind of stuff. So either you believe in an enormous conspiracy that all got buttoned up, right? Yeah. Or, which I find hard to believe, or you think something's going on. The suspension of six games is the same thing as saying for each accusation, and again, you could say, well, no criminal charges were brought. And 23 of them settled. That's true, but the allegations were public already, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And, and because of the nature of so many of them with similar details, it seems you have to turn your brain off to think that these women are all lying. Okay. Therefore, those allegations are felt differently than an allegation from one or two different people when it really is more he said, she said, even if, those, even if they're more serious. So what's happened now is an independent arbiter has said each accusation's worth one quarter of football. 24, six games, divisible by six, exactly six, one quarter of football you have to miss for each accusation. It seems extremely light, given the circumstances. Agreed.
3: And that's why my biggest question is, what the hell is the process, Max? Like, what is the standard of the process that goes under? And... The, the but process, this is not
1: Goodell making this decision. I, I, this is the, I, I,
3: I understand that, that. I understand that. But you put a system in place, and now you're undermining the system you put in place oh. of the independent arbiter that is a woman that you put in place to make that decision. So now you're changing the standard once again.
1: I disagree. I think this is – think about why the – Well, Max,
3: this has nothing to do with right or wrong. Like I'm saying I actually think it's right that it should no, be No, no, I understand what you're right? saying. I want to address but, your point. The
1: whole point of this, when Harry, when you what? say the NFL doesn't really care about women, the NFL, there are, I, I, the NFL is comprised of people, and many of them do, I'm sure. And some of them don't as much as, uh, as you'd like. That goes for any business. The nature of a business is to make money. That's all. As I said, it's like the nature of a shark. If a shark eats something, you don't say, well, boy, that shark is immoral. It's hungry. It eats. That's what it does. A business makes money. That's what it does. Definition of a business. Understood. Okay. So... So, when a business, in a public-facing way, says we care about X, Y, or Z, and it has nothing to do with their core business, that's because they've determined that it's good for their bottom line to publicly say we care about X, Y, or Z. Right. So, understanding that, the reason this system is in place is precisely for this, Jay. It takes the onus off of the NFL and off of Goodell, the responsibility away from them. But, if – it's a PR thing. But if – they feel, uh-oh, public sentiment, feel, this is too light for, for what's going on. This punishment was too light. They can always hit that button and say, They're we're going to take
3: over and be the good guys. I, I understand, but it, it can also work the opposite way. If they, it, it, it still allows autonomy from up top, and nothing has changed since back in the day. but Other It looks better. Perception. Yes. That's a, yeah, perception is the only thing that changed, but everything is still the same. And that's the problem. Like you're selling me the marketing pitch of, of yeah. why it's different, but I'm telling you, actually inside inside of it, oh yeah, it's, the, it's same, the same exact thing. Of course. So like, and this goes back to this is what I don't like about it, and that's why I brought up the personal conduct policy. That is not collectively bargained. It takes away accountability. So I see people like Daniel Snyder. I see people like Steven Ross that violate the personal conduct policy, but they're not held accountable the same way as boss. the players are. Of course, exactly. And, and, but that's how, that's how hypocritical it is, Max. And that's exactly. my gripe. That's yeah, my gripe. By the way,
1: 100% that's correctly identified. But if I, this is why when Jerry Jones said we got to put Goodell in a better position, they did. Jerry Jones frequently I, understands I, the big picture in the NFL. Yep. They did. So naturally, Jay, what you're saying is true. It, it, it's, and, and Harry, what you're saying is true. But w- in other words, from my point of view, are we that naive that we expect different, that a business doesn't some care do. about its bottom line? Some people, line? Do.
2: Well, so, some people some do, do, but, but here, here's the thing that, that gets me, and you look at other examples that, that's not uh, as egregious as this, though. When, when, I, when I look at a guy like D'Angelo Williams, right, who, whose mother passed away from breast cancer, and he gets fined for writing on his eye black, find a cure. And then he asked the NFL, you know what, can I, can I wear some pink the rest of the year? No. <laughs> that blew my mind. When Sean Taylor passed away, you have our colleague Ryan Clark wears a number 21 under his eye black, and he gets fined for it. NFL doesn't care anything about that. But then when you look at a guy like Brandon Marshall – um, who wants to bring awareness to myth, uh, mental health, especially during the week, and he wears cleats and he gets fined for it. That shows you right there that the NFL don't care anything about the, but nobody but the NFL. No. All those instances. Yeah, well, All right, let's continue that, this yeah. conversation.
1: Mm-hmm. Let's continue it. So, I mean, when, when people are... It's, uh, there's a scene in Casablanca with Humphrey Bogart. It's considered the greatest movie in the first half of the century, basically. Last century. <laughs> where, where the, the, uh, the uh, French official who gambles at this place all the time, says, I'm shocked, shocked that there's gambling in this establishment and then closes it down <laughs> because he has to, right? <laughs> Are we shocked, shocked? Jay is like, I'm shocked, shocked that the NFL is hypocrite." Oh, no, of no, course. no, no.
3: I'm just not allowing smoke and mirrors to take place. Because people will. People naturally it is important. will gloss over it and think, and oh, they got it right. Let's continue this conversation.
0: G-Sean, Jay will and Max, the podcast.
5: your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply.
3: So USA Today wrote a great article, Jace Evans, uh, and they headline, guys, was Aaron Rodgers says taking ayahuasca helped improved mental health and spurred his MVP seasons. Now, hmm. he talks about taking ayahuasca. I've had friends that have taken ayahuasca. What uh, is ayahuasca, Jay? not. Like, not want to explain to, like to people. It's a plant-based psychedelic. Psych- plant-based psychedelic. Yeah. Um, people have done DMT. You've heard things about like Steve Jobs, microdosing, LSD, things of that sort that it has created an out-of-body experience for Aaron Rodgers that has allowed him to build better connectivity to his teammates. Mm -hmm. So I'm just curious, what do you guys think about that? Have you ever thought about ayahuasca or anything like that kind of experience? And do you think that leads to better interaction with your teammates if you have a better sense of self?
2: Well, I've I've never tried it. Uh, This is my first time actually. I want to try it. It's actually my first time actually hearing about it. But for a guy like Aaron Rodgers – who, from the quarterback position, we don't naturally see as, you know what I mean, being that, that guy with his teammates, um, I think it's actually good for him, especially going into this year at their wide receiver position where uh, he might get upset early on but then may uh, defer back to his treatments and be like, you know what, I need to calm down. I need to embrace these guys a little bit more because they aren't getting the job done. But it's going to be a process. But I've never tried it, but should I, Jay? I mean, i never tried it either. I'm just
1: I – I mean, I, That doesn't appeal to me. That doesn't okay. appeal to me. I mean, there, I, I think I that... It to each their own. I, yeah, I think that, um, look, there are cultures around the world uh. that have used that kind of stuff that grows from the earth, right, for a long, long time. I don't know. There's, there's something about psychedelic drugs, like what it's doing to your brain chemistry that, you know, people think they're having an out-of-body experience because... Their brain is being chemically altered <laughs> to the point where they feel like they're you know, having something. They're not. You're actually not having an out of body experience. You're very much in your body, but it feels that way. I get it. And, I mean, and you if it make, helped it, Rogers, good for him. If he feels like it helped him, or whether it's actually did good to, for him,
3: can you also make the case that so, so much of our brain is untapped, unused? No question for a lot of people. Yeah. So maybe it helps you.
1: That's a good it, point. I'm already using so much of my brain. Imagine
3: if you don't use even more. need it. Imagine no, I if you use more. It would be dangerous. <laughs> you think you're the smartest start guy in the room to now. Imagine if you use more than fifteen percent. <laughs> of your brain.
1: Well, I already do, Jay. That's the what whole trick. What percent do you use? 100% of my No, you brain. don't. How do you think i come up with these brilliant ideas? Uh, not at 100%. <laughs> no, not 100%. So here, here's what If he you said. saw me shoot the free throw, you'd know not 100%. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. How come you didn't use Good your smart brain for days. free throw tactics? Damn. I was, thinking about, yeah, I was thinking about a new theory of relativity that was going to replace Einstein. And that did not translate it's to damn. your shooting
4: form. Damn.
1: It did not. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but listen, whatever Rodgers did, Keep doing, but, but stop before the playoffs. <laughs> he must he, he must, it must
3: have wore do it off again right before, before the, the playoffs. playoffs. <laughs> That's what you do. Do it again.
0: Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Max, the podcast.
6: Have you ridden an electric e bike yet? You need to check out Electric E Bikes today, the number one selling e bike in America. Must be 21 plus plus present president select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
0: No one's happy with this right now, it seems like. I don't think anyone feels as though there's resolution. I find this incredibly difficult to square with her ultimate conclusion, which was based on Preston, but also her own interpretation that what took place was not violent.
3: 98% of judges would have done the same thing because their job is to interpret
2: this agreement And the problem is, this agreement does not respect women enough.
1: Kijan, Javrila Max, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80, your smart speakers, ESPN2, the ESPN app, and you can download the podcast. Harry Douglas in for key. Guys, Diana Rossini, ESPN NFL reporter extraordinaire on Canty and Carlin regarding Deshaun Watson's Suspension and the NFL's appeal, which is by the way to itself. The NFL appeals this independent arbiter. There heard the judge her ruling of six-game suspension for Deshaun Watson to itself because ultimately the, the the person who has to decide is Roger Goodell. Here's Dan Rossini.
0: The league wanted a much more severe, stronger suspension for Deshaun Watson. You know, we know that they
4: recommended up to a full minimum of a full season. So I just got off the
0: phone with those uh, in Watson's camp. I just got off the phone with those with the Cleveland Browns, trying to get an idea of what's going on in terms of their reaction to all this. And I will say they had a very similar reaction to one another of they expected this, they knew that the league would do this. So this
3: goes back to my point. Look, first off, I I, want to keep stating this because I think it's, and very important, in my opinion, I do believe that Deshaun Watson should be suspended more than six games. I, I I do. I also believe that Big Ben should have been suspended for more than six games that got dropped down to four. I'm just questioning what the standard of process is that is fair for everybody. And it's, it needs to be the same standard. So Ezekiel Elliott got a six-game suspension for – an you know, uh, account of domestic violence that he never got charged for either, even though the NFL did an investigation. So, like, w- what's the standard there? And I, I do like, – the biggest question I have today is I want to go back in time and ask ask Roger Goodell why Big Ben's suspension was dropped from six games to four. You don't have to go back to in time. You can
1: ask him now. I want right? to ask him, yeah.
3: why was it dropped from six games to four? Like, what facts in your mind allowed you to drop that from six Wouldn't games it be to four? The
1: number of accusers- because if it's one or two, athletes are targets, it's true. It's, you, don't, you don't want to disbelieve the accuser, but you cannot presume guilt. No charges are brought, and, it's, and it, you're talking about two different people, which is worse than one person, which is worse than no people, right, in terms of the accusation. 24 makes it so obvious that what's going on that you can't turn off your brain. You just can't do it. It's too many different women saying the exact same thing.
2: Yeah, also when you, when you look at uh, what Sue L. Robinson found – um, in her findings, right? She basically agreed with the NFL and what they found. So for the NFL to not appeal this, it definitely in my eyes would have been a horrible look when she basically sat there and said things were egregious. He did act in a, a, in, in a predatory way. Uh, you have to appeal But to, to
1: Jay's it. point, Harry, she did refer to precedents set yes. in the NFL. Oh, no. So, that, so All, that's, all so, that was in there. But I don't know why that is. That, to me, seems to be a corrupting influence here because – The whole point of an independent arbiter is that you break precedent because people are not happy with the way it's gone in the past. So for her to rely so heavily on precedent is why some people feel and have written about the idea that the NFL intentionally selected a judge where this is away from her area of expertise in order to get the desired result, which is, according to this theory, a lower suspension. And now I will put another thing together here on top of layer that a little bit, maybe because since they have this button they can hit to appeal to themselves, they can now step in, tack on another couple games, or maybe even say, we want an indefinite suspension. And Deshaun Watson says, well, I'm going to sue. Well, you're probably going to lose, but it's going to be... Okay, we'll tell you what. We're going to raise it two games. You have to reapply, but provided between now and then, no other women come forward, not about what's happened in the past, but what's happening now going forward, You're going to be reinstated. Some kind of compromise like that gets made. The NFL gets to take a bow because, look at this, they were tough. They do care. They they had an independent person, but they said, no, not good enough. He needs more. And he still gets less than half a season.
2: But we also know that Sue L. Robinson kind of threw the NFL under the bus and basically confirmed what a lot of people thought, is that the NFL has been so inconsistent and not on the same playing field when it came to them uh, uh, Discipline, uh people of this nature and things of uh, see matters like this mm. so we did we do know that now she did confirm that in so many ways
3: and also Lisa, a question so what's the point of having an independent arbiter if you're going to undermine her They're, like there's, yeah, no feel, there's no point do you feel no point having somebody actually like she, she might as well not even be there do you well for for it was obviously op- the, optics. Optics of it. Yes, the optics yes, yes the optics it, no it's a it's this like is a marketing jerry, ploy.
1: jerry jones was right Goodell was in a bad position from a, from a point of view of marketing the league, and they put him in a much better position, and I think that's playing out now. How much of – it seems to me to be multi layered? On, on the one hand, there's this very serious issue, and especially since the Me Too movement of, of, of sexual assault and this kind of thing, and so there's a lot of anger about that, but there's all – and so more, give him more. But there's also the idea that Ben Roethlisberger, a white quarterback – was given a certain suspension, and Deshaun Watson, a black quarterback, was given a certain suspension. So there. wait, wait a minute. Why are these things equivalent or not equivalent, right? It's layered not only by gender but also by race. I think there are a lot of emotions mixed up in the whole thing, seems to me. NFL Hall of Fame game is tonight, Jade. Are you aware of this? Yes, I am. Will this be a breakout year for Trevor Lawrence? I mean, how do you transition from these things? I
0: don't know. g J-Will, and Max, the podcast.
1: Is a Hall of Famer. Good morning, Tony. How's it feel?
0: Feels good. A little, uh, a little early, but it feels good still. still. Still feels good to be going into the Hall of Fame. I would imagine it does. It still feels good. You know, that's one thing that doesn't change. I don't care if it's six thirty in the morning or uh, lunchtime, dinner time. It always feels good. Nothing right. changes. Uh, Tony, I-, I
3: wanted to ask you, man. Does it just cement? Or verify, like how you thought of yourself and your own career, because I always find that contrast fascinating. Right, as an athlete, when you when you do something at a very high level, you see yourself a certain way, but you hope that your peers confirm the way that you've known the time that you put into the game. Does it cement that feeling for you?
0: You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a really good question, and so I think it, there's definitely that validation of what you did on the field, which. I think every athlete, that's all you care about at the end of the day, especially if you love the game you're playing. I mean, mm-hmm. I love football, and, I mean, that's what I wanted to do. So you want to – you want that validation that you were the, a great player and one of the greatest ever. You know, as far as, like, how I viewed myself playing, when I played, it was always one of those things that I knew that I, I was – you know, I knew I was good, but every year, every game, every play – there was this fear um, of not living up to it, and not you know, which really drove me. Uh, and and so, you know, those two kind of things combined together. You know, and then at the end of the day, you make you make it the Hall of Fame. It, it kind of validates the work. It validates you know what you did on the field. It validates what people said about you while you played. Um, it, you know, it's just it's one of those things that it, it's so special because. Um When you love what you do and you give everything that you have to it to reach the pinnacle, which so few do, it's just it's unreal.
3: That's what I'm saying, HD, us as athletes were programmed so differently. Like uh, even hearing Tony say the fear of not living up to what he did before mm-hmm. continues to drive him and push him.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with you. Tony, how did you find out, though? What was, what was that moment like for you and your family? <laughs>
0: you know it was interesting so i was i was in florida and uh, my wife actually found out probably 10 days before i did uh, because the the hall of fame the last two years because of covid and everything they changed how they did it you know the first four times i made it uh, as a finalist they fly everyone to the super bowl and they put you up in a hotel and then on the saturday before the super bowl you either going to knock on the door or you get a phone call and uh, i've gotten the phone call every year uh and then pandemic, they didn't want to bring everyone in. And so this year, they actually, you know, they they told us that we would know sometime the week or so before the uh, before the Super Bowl. And, uh, and basically, if, if you got a phone call, you didn't make it. And if you get a knock on your door where you live, you make it. And so it had been like 10 days since they voted. And I was thinking, here we go again. I'm not going to make it. little did I know, 10 days earlier, the Hall of Fame had called my wife because um, I travel a lot for work and, and what I do, um, called my wife and said, okay, when's he going to be there and how do we get him somewhere where we can surprise him? And so they set up this ruse, had us go to one of my really good friends' house that lives uh, right there in Jacksonville Beach by us. And I'm sitting there talking to my buddy and the door knocks and he's uh, he was fighting cancer at the time and he says, hey, can you go get the door for me? Because um, we were waiting for some other people. I said, sure. And I walked downstairs and uh, I opened the door. It's Anthony Munoz and a gold jacket uh, telling me <laughs> welcome to the Hall of Fame with, you know, NFL network and everyone behind them filming my family going crazy. So uh, it was surreal because I mean, getting the Hall of Fame all by itself, it's amazing. But then to have the guy who, in my opinion, set the standard as a left tackle who also happened to go to my alma mater, USC, and also was a friend. And so that was, uh, it was an amazing moment.
1: Tony, uh, were you, uh, to, to just piggyback off what Jay was talking about, the validation, you were clearly a Hall of Fame caliber player, but when injury essentially ends your career, and, and so you don't have that, the length of the career that you would want, I'm sure there's anxiety about like, well, wait a minute, but did I do enough? So the, So what was the feeling like as you're waiting to hear about it not knowing if the career was long enough, because I imagine if it's me, an injury is the thing that prevented me from continuing. I, I would, it would like, it would haunt me, you know, like, so getting
0: in must, was it like a weight off your shoulders? What, what did it feel like? Yeah, Max, it was, it was brutal because, you know, that, this was the sixth year I was a finalist and, you know, 15 guys make the uh, finals to decide who gets to go in. In each of those six, you know, pre- previous five, I was top ten. So I was like the last of you know five that didn't get in. Um, and and it was the same debate, and because I'd hear people talk, tell me about it. What said in the room? Oh, he's you know he set the standard at his position, but his career was hurt. He got uh, was short because of an injury. And I got to the point I was like, you know, it's not my fault I got hurt, and it's not like I played one year, mm-hmm. um, and it's not like I was good one year. And so I remember people asking me at the end, I almost got a little bit, I wouldn't say angry, but you can see the frustration. I like either tell me, just look at, am I good enough or not? If my, if my career isn't good enough, then don't put me in. And if what I did on the field is good enough, then do it, you know, put me in because I was at the point where I couldn't control it. And, you know, any athlete will tell you, we don't like what we can't, and not just athletes, a lot of people, we don't like what we can't control. Like, I always wanted to be in control. I always wanted to dictate what happened on the field and what happens in life. And that was out of my hands. And And I remember th- sitting there during the process going, is an injury going – this injury already took away the game I loved because I wanted to play more. Now is it going to kind of impact my legacy as far as how viewed by other people? And so it was uh, – <laughs> I give I told my wife I want you know after I found out and I knew that she found out 10 days earlier I said I want to kill you cuz you've been torturing me for 10 days and uh she's a good actor too because she was playing up to it saying you know you know hopefully you make it maybe you have not and so on and so forth so at the end of it, I also asked her, I said, what else have you not been telling me? Because you're really good at this uh, deception game.
1: <laughs> well, congratulations <laughs> on getting in. That must be a, what a moment. Yeah.
3: Tony, I want to talk about the, yeah, it's the, amazing. the early legacy of another player. You know, a lot of conversations around sports about, you know, who in their second year can pull a Joe Burrow, right? And obviously the name that always pops up is Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. You know, he, he has the generational type of talent to carry a team to that degree. Uh, What do you think that what are your expectations of Trevor Lawrence, like your realistic Hall of Famer expectations of Trevor Lawrence going into his second season?
0: You know, I I almost uh, Jay, I'm almost looking at this as a first year for him because it was such a disaster with Urban Meyer. And I'm like, I'm a I look at my career and, and how I got to where I, you know, am now at the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it was a lot of me and everything else and teammate. But I, it was coaches, too. You have to have good coaches. I mean, you have to have people who organize and at least put you in a position to, to have success, put it on you. And it was so bad and so dysfunctional last year. It's almost unfair to look at what the numbers on the field. I actually look at the whole picture of Trevor Lawrence and what he was able to do from a leadership standpoint and hold that thing together and not crack under the pressure with a head coach who did not know what he was doing and was not doing the right thing. Off the field, so you know that's you know maybe that's a little bit of a cop out, but I do you know to get to the meat of your question, I think he's going to be a superstar, and I think Doug Peterson will get him there. You know, I don't think this is a team that's going to do what the Bengals did, go from you know last you know place worst team to uh, to the Super Bowl, but I do think they will be playing meaningful football in December and probably get close to that five hundred or just over five hundred mark, and set the stage for a team that has good talent, a really good coach, and a, and I think a generational quarterback.
2: Yeah, Tony, that's the last one I have for you before we let you go. I want to ask you about Doug Peterson. He's a guy that actually coached Carson Wentz when he was a rookie, and Carson at the time was having an MVP season before getting hurt. Do you think Car- um, Trevor Lawrence is actually going to benefit a lot more uh, having Doug Peterson there, a guy that played in the National Football League at the quarterback position?
0: Like a hundred X. I mean, I think he is going to, I I think Doug Peterson, it was the best hire. It was the right hire. Um, He's a guy who played in the league. He has the respect of people. He's won a Super Bowl. and you know, you have a rookie quarterback and he also played quarterback. So I think he'll help calm Trevor. And when I say, Trevor's a calm guy anyways, I say, calm him, just like, not try to do too much and to take what the defense is giving them. Uh, and it's, you can feel it. I've not only been to one practice because of all the Hall of Fame stuff um, in camp, but when I've been around the team and talking to guys, which I have quite a bit, and then at that one practice, it's a different feel. I mean, there's a little bit um, – there's an energy. There's a confidence. Uh, these guys went through so much if you were on this team last year. I think there's, it's like a breathing fresh air with Doug Peterson, and he's done a great job. And he put together a really good uh, staff as well.
1: So, Tony, we talked earlier about how injury robbed you of the game you loved and you were afraid could have robbed you of the Hall of Fame. Thankfully, the second didn't happen. You got in. How does that, you know, informed you as a professional athlete who suffered a, 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 essentially a career-ending injury, how you, how you see health care delivery in the United States?
0: Well, I'll tell you one thing. I think any athlete will tell you health is probably the most important thing you got. And then as you get older, <laughs> as uh, all of us are, you go, man, that's the one thing I do not want to trade. And, you know, so post football, I got into healthcare and uh, got w- as an entrepreneur and startup and did a couple things on my own and joined, a, and then also joined a big company in an Optum and then have since now left and doing a new thing in, in digital health. And the big thing for me, Max, is just giving access to everybody, you know, as an athlete, you have this amazing healthcare because you have a training team and a a team of doctors that are doing everything to keep you healthy. Heck, any athlete will tell you you have the snivels. They're going to make, you know, before you get sick, they're going to make sure uh, you're all right. You have the the treatment and everything else you want. And then you leave and all of a sudden you realize that, boy, that's that's not the story for everybody. And so I think access is real, is something I'm passionate about and giving people the care and in, in what they need um, to help them live a healthy life. And cause that's all we want to do. And so this, uh, I've joined a company called all health and really excited. And, and as they're leading their whole uh, commercial effort, got a lot of really smart people. I bring that IQ down a little bit, but that's okay. Um, and uh, it's a lot of fun to do something you're passionate about. It's not the same as football. I'm not as, I mean, I was passionate about football more than anything, but doing some really cool stuff in healthcare uh, gets me up every morning, gets me excited.
3: Tony, uh, question of that, because I've lived that life, right? After having the in- injuries I've had with my motorcycle accident, uh, I often joke around with people because, you know, I, I go back to Duke or I go to Chicago Bulls f- facilities, and I'm seeing all these specialists, these incredible people. Uh, but then when I come back to my normal life, trying to find that network, is an incredibly challenging, yeah. right? And that's for me as an ex athlete. How do you penetrate that market? Actually, how do you get the ears of people that have so many cooks in the kitchen that are trying to figure out different ways to monetize off these guys?
0: No, it's a great question, Jay. Because you're right. You, we have this like con, you know concierge medicines uh, experience on steroids as athletes. Like we're surrounded, and then you get out and try to navigate it. Even if you have means, like which we all do. Think about the person living in rural America or the person in, you know, inner city that is working an hourly job and doing everything to survive. And then also trying to figure out how to live a healthy lifestyle and, and, and to get the care they need or their kids need or their family member, whoever it is. And it's tough to navigate. And I, so we're and I'm not going to say too much about it because we're having a big announcement in the fall, but we're doing, but, using technology and tools that we've developed to actually create access and continuous monitoring of every individual um, that can be connected to a care team, making sure they're getting the care they need and, and to help them navigate of how to receive care. Um, and so I'm, it, it, it's exciting. What you just said, Jay, and the, what, the feeling you've had and so many of us have had leave uh sports and then to the normal world and then being in healthcare, realizing how reality is for a lot of people is super exciting to go tackle and try to figure out.
1: Tony Buscelli, awesome, 2022 Pro Football Hall of Fame inductee. You can watch Tony get inducted on Saturday starting at noon on ESPN. Congratulations, Hall of Famer. Congrats,
3: Tony.
0: Hey, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. And uh always enjoyed the uh, – Always enjoy uh, being on the show with you guys. There's always some good questions coming from this group, <laughs> yeah. especially when key, especially when yeah. Key's not there. Seems, yeah, oh, yeah. You notice know that you go the there.
3: intellect oh.
1: rises. Got to talk a little bit. It goes up, <laughs> <laughs> Tony Visele, ladies and gentlemen. That's SC on SC crime. Keyshawn oh, Jabel, Willen- my boy.
0: Key's my boy. Yeah, he's of course, of
1: course. Boy. Keyshawn and Max, presented by Progressive Insurance. Get renters insurance to protect the things that make your place a home including coverage for theft or damage, visit Progressive.com.
6: My assumption is that she was playing
4: pickup with her UConn teammate. I do think it's fairly normal for you know, players to play pickup with each other during the summer. Put in a lot of work to you know, get back to the top level that she's shown she can play
6: at, and obviously means a lot for the game.
1: Paige Beckers, who was setting the world on fire as soon as she stepped on the court, tore her ACL. Out for the season. And by the way, why is Saquon Barkley not, like, is he ever going to be Saquon Barkley again? Tore his ACL. And we're wondering, will he ever be the same again? Yeah. Will Paige Beckers ever be the same again? I hate when I see this, especially early, especially before the career even really gets started, but you could see the potential. What does it say about the importance of NIL?
3: I mean, look, Paige Beckers is probably the biggest star in college basketball. I mean, you people knew Paige Beckers before they knew about Paulo Bencaro before he got drafted, right? Before the draft became a really big thing and we started – Marketing Paolo Ben
2: And You're talking men's and women's, right? Men's and women's. Well, she, yeah. She, yeah, she's she was the biggest yep. star in college basketball. I think it's fair
3: to say she was
1: better as a female player in 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 that world than, than he than more he more was
3: good. in his world, right? Like she was she was ranked higher but, in her world, and she built notoriety because she had been around. You see her progress, her freshman year, and how that translated, getting to a Final Four. I mean, the, the legacy at stake, and all the other great UConn players, and this is the importance of why we stress. For players to own their name, image, and likeness, and while we continue to push for revenue sharing. Like I keep pushing for it. Like Paige Beckers had lucrative deals with Gatorade, Cash App, and StockX. Stock she was one of the highest paid NIL players in all of college sports. Now think about her career. Second ACL tear in a year and a half. Same leg. Same leg. And she may not ever be the same. Ugh. I hope that she is. Yeah. But at least she's been able to start her business of the brand and start thinking but Jay, about she's that. She's
1: getting an education that she's being provided for. She doesn't need any money. We'll keep all the money. Like that's that was going on for years and yeah. years and years. That nonsense.
2: We're not having well, that argument that, That's why I am against when coaches say, Hey, I think we need to cap NIL. No, no, I don't think at all. We need to do that because for so many years, the NCAA and these universities have capitalized off the name Im- image and likeness of, of these players. and, the reason why I say I don't feel like these players' NIL deals should be cap or the, or the money should be cap is because we don't cap college coaches in their salaries. Or their endorsements. No, we don't. Because you have college coaches these days making $7.5 million, $9 million, $8 million. But you have them coming out and saying you want to cap a player's opportunity to, to capitalize uh, getting money for their name. You're and not they're even like being this? paid by the school. Doesn't make They're sense. Being,
1: the coaches are being paid by the school. But here's what's crazy about what you just said, Harry. If the coach's argument, like Lane Kiffin made this argument, if the coach's argument is it provides a competitive advantage, well, coach, don't you also can provide a competitive
2: advantage? And if your claim is no, why are you getting paid all that money? And that, that, well, <laughs> actually, that so ridiculous. I was on first take that day, we interviewed him, and he basically said the NCAA has legalized cheating. And I wanted to follow up and ask him, so if you feel like it's a competitive advantage for players to make a certain amount of money, you don't feel like it's a competitive advantage for coaches to make a certain amount of money? Because in my eyes, it is. No, because his implicit
1: claim has to be one of two things. Um, we want to control the players. It's different. Yep. Don't control me. Control them. Or, no, I don't offer you a competitive advantage. I just, I'm just juicing the system, but actually I'm interchangeable <laughs> with every other coach. right? It's, he's saying one of the two things. can't be anything else. I like Lane Kiffin, too. It's hard to talk to Lane and not like him. I know. Yeah. <laughs> but he said some wild stuff right <laughs> oh,
2: there. It's wild, I mean, wild it, stuff. It
3: feels like th- these are opportunities for coaches to vent their frustration because they're losing control of the model that's been in place for a long time, you know, and and I get it. You know, there are challenges that come along as structures change, but it doesn't mean that the change isn't Right. You yeah. seem
1: to be the kind of guy, Jay, that like and look, life is change. Right. When you when things Evolution stop changing, you're not alive anymore. That's Read. that's it. Right. So. So I, I find that I am like many people in that the world I grew up in is the one I'm most familiar with, the one I'm most comfortable in. And my rate of being able to adapt to new things has slowed down a lot. Right. <clears throat> That's why when you look at really young people, it's like that's actually what's happening in the world because they're changing with the world. They're changing the world, they're changing with the world, and that's changing them in turn, right? They're actually alive and, and on the cutting edge. Um, but you seem to be the t- type of guy to me that really embraces change. You're curious about it, you like it, you like staying up with it, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I'm just curious about that, right? Like, it, it, I tease you about. What about NFTs and stuff like that? <laughs> I really barely understand NFTs. It seems wild to me. But, like, you're, you geek out on that stuff. Well,
3: it's like cryptocurrency. I mean, all that stuff. I mean, some athletes, Aaron Rodgers has a portion of his salary paid in crypto. Like, it's just about being adaptive to how times are changing and seeing how people are pivoting. Some of the most successful people I've met, coaches, executives, like, they're always pivoting according to the marketplace, right? Like, yeah. the marketplace is down. Companies are pivoting. You're seeing companies lay off no, employees. I understand, I understand like,
1: why. It's just the, the temperament to be able to get yourself
2: to keep up with it all. is Not everyone has that temperament. Well, I'll say this. I, I read a book by Arthur Blank, who's the owner of the Atlanta Falcons, called Good Company. And one of the things that he had in there is to continue, uh, innovate continuously. Mm. And that's big
1: but as an individual as a person See, to continue to do that.
3: Is I just difficult. hope that Paige Beckers can continue to monetize her brand right now and utilize that to create some leverage to get equity in a bigger entity. We're presented by Progressive
1: Insurance speaking of equity. What the Sean Watson suspension means for the Browns future.
0: Gee Sean Jay Will and Max. The podcast